Morning, everybody. That's very kind of you. I haven't heard it yet. Um, <coughs> can I just ask those who are helping with um, uh, the sheets very kindly to uh, make, give them out? We've got a sheet for today. Um, if you're, you haven't been part of this series before, there's a little resource toolkit which you'll, you'll need. And we've also got the uh, sheets for uh, the last few weeks. And could you guys also please take a, um, a, a five hours little leaflet with you as well? Um, and this morning, we do really need you to have one of these guys. If you've got, well, if you've got it at home, um, then please don't take one. But if you haven't, you really need them. They consist of the, uh, uh, what's, what we're calling the five R's. Um, can you remember what they are? When you come up against a problem, what's the first thing? Recognize it. Thank you. That, the Lord will show you that. What's the second thing? To repent, actually to say sorry of our, our part in it, that's exactly right. What's the uh, third thing? To receive forgiveness, I like it, good. What's the fourth thing? Is to rebuke the enemy and his part in it. And what's the fifth thing? To replace it with the opposite spirit. Well done, that's exactly right. Well, um, keep with that and keep those handy because you're going to need them uh, I don't mean necessarily handy in this talk, but you're going to need them uh, in life as a whole. Uh, last week, Nigel was sharing how he uses them the whole time, and it's a really important uh, little device for understanding how to deal with things uh, when they come up. Well, today we're looking at the subject of strongholds, which is a, a massive um, subject. I'm only going to be giving you a few little uh, pointers. Uh, through your life group leaders, if you want more detail, then ask them, and I'm very happy to pass that, um, that detail uh, through, through them. I'd rather do it that way, um, if you're happy with that. Good. You should have a sheet which is entitled, The Nature and Causes of Strongholds. And I'm going to ask Chris to um, read you a passage from Ephesians. And uh, brothers and sisters, what I'd love you to take away from this passage is just how much your Father God, the creator of the universe, loves you this morning. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that, his, that this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we, all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is work within us. To him be glory in the church. Yes, Lord. And in Christ Jesus through all yes, generations. Forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, Chris, very much indeed. Lovely. Well, as we begin this talk, I'm delighted to say that I'm speaking to lots of you who have already been set free for, uh, from significant um, issues um, uh, 
in your lives by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And that's just wonderful. And we need never to forget that actually, without the power of Jesus, it can't happen. There's nothing else like it. It's unique. Uh, And if that's true for you, then I would encourage you this morning to uh, hear what I've got to say and to help others and to encourage others to receive the freedom that Jesus Christ died for them. And also, may I say, we need to be careful to stay free and keep free and not to slip back. Well, Nigel mentioned a verse um, last week uh, where St. Paul says, um, do not give the devil a foothold. It actually comes from Ephesians 4. So what is a foothold? And Nigel showed us that it's a place in our lives where God's enemy has some sort of jurisdiction entrance because of our sin or our wrong thinking or our sin reaction. But on your sheet, you'll also see there's another place where St. Paul talks about strongholds. And uh, this is the verse from 2 Corinthians. I'm not going to read it all, just, uh, just part of it. For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So St. Paul is talking about, first of all, foot, footholds. And then he goes on to talk about strongholds. And what is a stronghold? Um, And it's it's really all in the context of spiritual warfare, war in the spiritual realm. Now, in the physical realm, a stronghold is basically a base of operation, as we saw in Afghanistan some a couple of years ago, um, a base of operations from which a warlord or a group like the Taliban can terrorize the local area. But in the spiritual realm, a stronghold is an area in our lives from which God's enemy can operate and attack us in all kinds of different ways. So what is a stronghold in New Testament terms? Well, as opposed to just being uh, a foothold, a place in our lives, it's actually a regular pattern. Do you see what I mean? It's that place sort of solidified up. A regular pattern of thought or behavior which is not in line with God's truth or actions. The enemy's place His desire is to turn footholds in our lives into strongholds. To firm up his work inside our lives. And that's why it's so important to to understand strongholds. And what are they? Well, they're attitudes and beliefs and thoughts and values that actually are not in line with Jesus Christ's truth and his purpose and his love for you in your life. Now, if you look at the sheet, you'll see this little, little diagram here. And um, I'm not going to talk about it very much, just to uh, understand that uh, in the center is your spirit, uh, with the spirit of Jesus locked into your spirit. And then uh, around the outside is our soul. That is kind of uh, our will, our mind, our emotions. And then we've got uh, ourselves, our body, the things that we can touch, feel, see, uh, experience um, uh, with, with our senses. And you realize that, of course, the God's enemy will assault both our soul, our will, our mind, and our emotions, as well as our bodies. So um, he's after uh, operating in those areas if we let him, and if he can. And you'll see just beside that on the sheet, 
um, the way that we deal with the world, the flesh, and the devil, um, uh, uh, which I hope, hope is helpful too. But what I really want to go on and talk about is access points for strongholds. How do strongholds get there? They don't just happen. They have roots and foundations. And in order to get rid of them, it's really important to ask how they started. So how do they start? And I'm just going to show you five main ways this morning, um, uh, just a little uh, kind of taster for each of them. The first one I want to talk about is love deprivation. Do you know that parents are God's beautiful plan for love impartation into people as they start their lives. They're his means of filling us up with his love. You see, love is a little bit like money in the sense that you can't give it to somebody else unless you've got some or you're given some in the first place. Isn't that true? So if you're a parent or you would like to become one, God has set it up so that ideally we can bring up children under the, um, uh, the, the love and the, uh, and the discipline of a mum and a dad. And what's happening is that their love tank is being filled up as we do that. And the plan is that as they grow up and as that love tank fills, so when they grow up they can then actually uh, transfer quite naturally to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and be led by them in the rest of their lives. Isn't that an amazing plan? And love is foundational to our personhood, because God is love, and we are made in his image. Now, for some of us, that love will have been, in, been built in fairly okay. For others of us, it, um, uh, it may not be like that. We don't seem to be moving on. Here we are. So, just a, a little thing. When you got to 18 or 21, whichever it is, but 18, uh, how was your love tank? How kind of uh, full or empty it was? Because actually, we'll have all sorts of different experiences. Uh, was your love tank on empty? Or maybe you were more fortunate and it was on full. Or probably most of us are somewhere in between. Some of us here have received lots of love and very little pain over our early years. Others of us have experienced lots of pain and very little love. And most of us are in between those, uh, those two, uh, two areas. And that's going to have a major impact on our lives. Whether we receive little or nothing of God-quality love is going to have a major impact. So if love has been in short supply when we were young... What happens when we come to adulthood is that we tend to respond with all the wrong reactions to life as a whole, don't we? Uh, because we're looking for acceptance, security, significance, but we often look in the wrong places and we do it the wrong way. And these kind of responses can take all sorts of forms. They can be uh, addictions to drugs or alcohol or food, or it may be pornography or internet games or withdrawing into fantasy of any kind. It can be shopping or hoarding, all sorts of things. God's enemy loves to get in behind these things and use them to help ruin our lives. Do you see that around you? Have you known that in your own life? Maybe you're still aware of it. But when we come to know Jesus, absolutely everything changes. And that's what Nigel showed us in the first talk. 
That's because the new nature that he gives us when we accept him into our lives. It's also because of the amazing work that he's done for us on the cross. Because of the forgiveness, the love, and the victory over God's enemy, all that is flowing out from the cross. And every single negative is in your life and my life can actually be replaced with a positive of the love of God as a result of what Jesus has done. And I want you to know that the cross of Christ and everything that flows from it is totally unique in this world. There's nothing else even remotely like it. And the absolutely wonderful thing is that Jesus can reach down into the depths of our lives and those of our friends and family to bring the healing, acceptance, love, significance, security that we may have missed out on. It's what I like to think of as the liquid love of God filling our love tanks even as adults. Do you know about that? Have you experienced it? I hope you have. I hope you've experienced something of it. Maybe many of you have experienced lots of it. Now, I have no, no space this morning to go into details of how it happens, but I want to say to you that there is nothing, there's nothing that has been done by you or nothing that's been done to you which is too bad or too big for Father God to save, heal, and transform. Jesus is the great redeemer of our lives, wherever we started from. So if you've got negative emotions or negative thoughts or even self-talk as a regular part of your life, then I would encourage you not to rest until Jesus has transformed it into his positive life for you. And that's one of the things that next weekend with the Galpins is all about. God wants to heal and restore you and make you into the person that he's always designed you to be. You see, if we're to give God's love out to others, then we need ourselves to be overflowing with it. You can't give what you ain't got. So the next entry point for strongholds is I'm calling uh, generational sin. There's an extraordinary um, uh, occasion in the life of King David in the Old Testament. It actually comes in 2 Samuel 21, where um, there was a, a, a drought and a famine for three years. And David, being the guy, kind of guy he was, went to God and said, Lord, why is this happening? And, you know, he got the most extraordinary reply. It says this. It says, The Lord said... It's on account of Saul, your father, and his blood-stained house. It's because he put the Gibeonites to death. Do you know that's quite extraordinary? He said there's a death, there's a drought and a famine going on. And David turns to God and says, what's going on? And the Lord said, well, actually, it's because something that your dad did 10 or 15 years ago to the Gibeonites, which was unjust and it was ethnic cleansing. And that's what's affecting the weather now. Isn't that extraordinary? Absolutely extraordinary. But you see, it's critical that we understand the reality of generational sin as it's revealed in the scriptures if we're going to move into the complete freedom that Christ has won for us. Because the Bible clearly outlines that just as genes come down through families, so the love of God comes down through families, generation after generation, for those who love him. But also... The judgment of God comes down through families as well. And uh, I made myself up a little sort of a family tree slide. Uh, the names are entirely fictitious, but here is a family um, which was basically 
under the control of God's, God's enemy. That's why I put them all, all dark there. And then um, I see we've already got, um, and then I put in this red line, which stands for me for the blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice with a cross either side. And that's when two people become Christians, they marry each other, and they say, okay, that's as far as it's coming. Have you done that? That's as far as it's coming. So instead of the enemy's influence coming down through the family, because Jesus Christ has died for me and for Hillary, we put that red line and say, it stops here, it goes no further. You say, well, why does that matter with you, Brian? You come from a reasonably respectable family. Both your families are sort of good army families and respectable and nice and polite and all that kind of stuff. Well, I may just say to you that uh, our son Paul, he was age three, was going into hospital for some um, grommets in his ears. Uh, he kept asking us to pray for him. Uh, so eventually we did. We asked some friends to come. And uh, as we were praying uh, for him afterwards, actually, uh, and the lady there got a picture of this, of this room um, and uh, just some kind of sort of uh, black thing coming onto um, a, a bed. Well, um, when we looked at the, the room and the shape of it and that kind of thing, we could see that actually it was exactly the same room that uh, Paul used to sleep in uh, when uh, uh, we went away to, um, to Hillary's parents. And he used to sleep just below the, uh, the door which came down from the loft. And uh, what was interesting is that when we went to pray, uh, that, uh, that black entity just left Paul altogether. Now, what had been happening was actually that the God's enemy was making a bid down through, uh, to um, uh, our son because there was quite a lot of occult things going on in the family. And it was really interesting that Paul, age three, uh, didn't know that we'd prayed for him. It was about sort of nine o'clock at night. And, you know, the next night uh, uh, with us, he prayed this. He prayed, Lord, keep us from the evil one and guard us with your angels. Age three. And that, to me, was a sign of exactly that line there, of preventing the stuff coming down through the family. I remember just after my mum had died, I had a picture of my, um, uh, my um, father, and uh, behind it was a picture of my grandfather, who was, again, very respectable um, solicitor in Frinton-on-Sea. And then I was just um, fiddling with the photo frame, and I thought, goodness me, there's another sheet there. So I pulled out the sheet behind, and what did I find? I found my grandfather dressed in full Masonic regalia. And that was just trying to come down through the family. I don't think my father, I think my father may have signed up to a lodge in Cambridge when he got there, uh, but he never took it on. But it's just, just the kind of thing that the enemy loves to do to affect, affect and infect our families generation by generation. So how do we deal that with that? Well, we employ these same biblical truths that are in this thing, this, uh, the, the five R's. In exactly the same way. The added dimension is that we need to uh, just recognize our part in the sins of our ancestors. And we need to identify ourselves uh, with those. Well, I hope that's helpful for that one. Another way in that the enemy can take is through word curses. Now, when I use the word curse here, it's not a kind of sort of witchcraft um, curse. It's much more about a negative or condemning statement. If you ever wanted to know whether words have power or not, just read through Genesis chapter 1. And you will see that as God spoke, things happened. 
and words have real power, whether realized or not, or intended or not. And there are two main kinds of curses. There are generational curses, which are coming down through families, um, and uh, that's condemning or damning words which are spoken by earlier generations which have consequences for succeeding ones. Uh, we were immensely privileged to be uh, sort of uh, to find the result of um, uh, a prayer after one of these. Uh, we were in um, Tacoma in the, on the west coast of, of the states and uh, there was a, a guy there who had appeared and what had happened was that his um, his daughter had brought him in for, uh, for some prayer. He was in a wheelchair. He was dying, which included a degeneration of the spine. And his daughter had taken a time out to, she basically given her life up, to, um, to look after her dad. Just trying to see where, yeah, here we are. Um, shall I get, get this right for you? And um, what had happened was that as they prayed for him, this was in private, not actually in public, as they prayed for him, uh, they discovered that there was um, a, a case, of, I think it was a couple of generations back, where uh, one of the family had decided to marry an actress, and the rest of the family, believing that actresses weren't very re respectable um, uh, ladies uh, and were rather loose ones, just absolutely disapproved of that des decision. And they turned their back on him, and I don't know whether they actually formally cursed him. I, 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 I doubt that they did. But anyway, there was a, a major family feud uh, at that point. Uh, this came down through the generations. Um, his son had a difficult time during the war. And then there was this man who was in a wheelchair with his daughter. And as they broke that curse coming down through the family, this guy just stood up out of his wheelchair. Absolutely amazing. And we were there the next morning, and we saw him standing, and he was very, very shaky because he'd got all these muscles which he hadn't used for years and years and years. And he was having real difficulty just, just holding himself up there. But the, I was amazed to hear that the, that the broken curse of an earlier generation had immediately released somebody in here and now. So we need to be aware of these things. We also need to be aware of when people say things about us or to us uh, now in the present, uh, what I call contemporary word curses, because the power of words to bless or curse negatively uh, is always there. And we can live out of negative words spoken over us by teachers or people who have given us nicknames or by our parents or indeed by negative self-talk. Uh, there's a little proverb which says the tongue has the power of life and death. And what's interesting is that those condemning words don't have to be intended for them to have power over our lives. And Jesus said of the devil, he is a liar and the father of lies. And when we believe the enemy's lies about ourselves, or we agree with people who have spoken negatively over us. We're believing something other than God's truth. And we're, what God has said is actually true, and he is always for the blessing of our lives. And a curse has no power over us, actually, unless, unless, we, give it to, uh, unless we give it power. Recognizing that curses are lies are, is a significant part of the process of breaking their power over us. Now, I've just asked Don to share with us an example of how this happens today. Don, welcome.
Dom was telling me, some of you may have heard this before, uh, but I'd love him to share it uh, again. Dom, tell me, what um, negative word was spoken over you on one occasion? Um, it was when I was in um, secondary school, and I was just at the age where you sort of take your options, and my English teacher um, just sparked an interest in me about sort of reading stories, writing stories. And he said, if, if you write me a story over the holiday, bring it back, I'll put you up for English literature. And I was, I was fairly excited about that, um, you know, as an option. Yeah. So I went and told um, quite quickly somebody, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but somebody who I trusted, somebody who had the power to speak, you know, positive words into my life, and, and they often did. And um, I gave this news, and they just said, oh, you'll never do English literature, you can't even spell Wow. And it, it just, it crushed the, the hope, it, it crushed my confidence, and at that point, I, I took it on board. Okay, how long... Not, not consciously, Brian, but, but I just believed it. It went right inside. How long was it before you recognised that that was actually a lie? I think it's only consciously, it's been the last couple of years, Brian. That's amazing. Yeah. So that, that lie has stood over you for 20 years? Yeah, and if I look back now over my, you know, my, my, my life since then, including my adult life, I can see how that lie has played out in my life, how I've responded to it. And I think, okay. you know, you can, you can go either, when, when, when you have something crushing like that, you can go one way or another. You yeah. can just let it continue to crush you. Exactly. You or you can fight against yeah. it and you can, you so, can become striving okay. in that area. Exactly. So what did you do to deal with it? I, I performed. I, I did stuff to prove that that wasn't true. Right, right. But did you, did you ever break it in the name of Jesus? Not until recently. Right. And what did you do recently? I just want to try and help people see what they can do. Re recently... Because I think what I was doing before wasn't healthy. No, exactly. So, so recently I've recognised that that, you know, that happened to me at the time, that that crushed me, it had an effect on me, and the first thing that I did was I, I just chose to forgive the person who said that. Great, right. And then what did you do in terms of um, that lie in your mind? Well, I mean, I didn't have the five R's. No, no, okay. <laughs> We'll forgive you. Thank you. Um, but I... You stopped believing I, I it by chose, the same thing. I chose to stop playing out in my life. Exactly. The, the reaction to that word. Okay. So I... You could say I repented from, from striving, from... Yes, from yes. Yeah, exactly. And that, Brian, that's an ongoing process. Yeah, yeah. So you have to continually believe... What Jesus is saying about you, which yeah. is that actually you are capable, he's made you, made you good and As able. I am, and I don't exactly. have to prove anything yeah. to Jesus. I don't have to perform for Jesus. Thank you, Dom. Thank you, Zen. Just thank Dom. Well great. You see, aren't these things so important for us? They're absolutely vital. So in order to dismantle or destroy a power of a curse, 
uh, is exactly the same Tom was saying, the five R's, that's what we need. We need to um, say sorry for our part in believing it over the time, and then we need, in the, in the name of Jesus, to, uh, to rebuke the enemy and to renounce his stuff and to actually operate in the opposite spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so another important area of inroad in, of our <clears throat> enemy into our lives is a thing called soul ties. There are healthy soul ties in marriage as a part of God's original design uh, for us. But I have to say that actually any sexual intercourse outside marriage results in harmful soul ties being formed between two partners. And the Bible is clear that anywhere outside marriage, if sexual intercourse is taking place, that has to be sin. And that therefore opens a doorway to the enemy into our lives. And God wants the best for us. So his calling um, uh, for us to be sexually pure is actually to protect us and to keep our relationships safe from the enemy's assault. And pornography is also a real danger here because there can be wrong sexual ties through images in our mind. And unlike what our culture is saying to us today, sexual intimacy is not purely physical. It's actually an act of connecting with somebody so deeply that a soul bond is made. And Genesis and Jesus both talk about it in the same words, that the two become one flesh. Now, I've put a number of uh, biblical examples of unhealthy soul ties there in your, uh, in your notes on your sheet there, uh, which I'll leave you to look at. Look at. But uh, what it often means is that um, in, a, in, a, in a harmful soul tie, we're looking for somebody to meet our unmet needs um, and to fulfill, for we're looking for our fulfillment in them rather than in, in God. And there's an unhealthy bond which uh, results in inappropriate influence between two people, which draws them away from others and away from God and towards one another. And that can lead to an imbalanced relationship where one party is needy and the other one is dominant, and which ends up in what's called codependency. And that can happen with all sorts of unlikely people, such as friends or authority figures or heroes or people we feel a false responsibility for, and we need to understand that clear and right boundaries are really important in this area. Here's a good rule of thumb, which I came across, which I found helpful. Thank you, Nathan. If we can have it, then that's it, lovely. True love is releasing, freeing, and other people-centered. False love is binding, need-based, controlling, and self-centered. I hope you find that helpful to, uh, to see the difference. And if you've never come to God specifically to ask his forgiveness for any wrong sexual encounters, I urge you to do so. Because as you do, you will be closing the door of the enemy into your life. And then the last entry point is, uh, is this. The occult. You probably are aware that any, the occult is any supernatural activity which is not done in submitted relationship with the Creator God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
And of course, what we need to remember is that the only legitimate source of information we have about the heavenly realms is revelation from God himself. Occult, as you probably know, means hidden things, and it includes all magic, fortune-telling, spiritualism, Satan-orientated stuff. I thought you'd enjoy a quote from Dennis Wheatley, who is um, uh, a very famous writer um, to do with the occult. But was, I find this a very enlightening, this quote. The powers that mediums contact are not the dead, but evil entities, and they are very dangerous indeed. That coming from Dennis Wheatley is quite something. And there are all sorts of different levels of involvement in this one. There's unwitting involvement, such as objects in our homes, or previous family contact with the occult, or naive foolishness maybe at school, or through TV, or video and computer games, or visiting temples uh, to false gods, or touching stones when you're away on holiday. We just need to be wise and very careful about what we open ourselves up to, brothers and sisters. I would say steer clear and help others to do the same. And then there's low-level willing involvement as well, such as reading horoscopes or playing with Ouija boards or attending seances, even when these things appear to be just amusing and playful and harmless. We also need to be careful about new age therapies, um, and, uh, such as Reiki and hypnotherapy, uh, although they're uh, kind of um, more difficult to speak of absolutely definitely. So if you've had any contact with these things and you've not received prayer for it, I would urge you to pray uh, through it all uh, with a trusted Christian friend. So some of this stuff may have seemed a bit heavy this morning. We don't normally talk about it um, on a Sunday morning, but the message I have to bring you is that the love of God the Father for you and the work of Jesus Christ the Son on the cross was specifically to set you free and to keep you free from all the stuff that I've been talking about. And there's absolutely no one else and nothing else that can set us and keep us completely free in this way. Now, just one last story. It actually happened a few weeks ago, um, and uh, um, the couple concerned were um, very kind to let me talk about it, although they didn't want to do, do so themselves. Um, so <coughs> Just quite recently, they um, um, bought a house in Winchester. The thing was that actually uh, the house was, uh, it, it was their price range simply because the house itself was in a horrifically bad state. In fact, actually, I couldn't describe it to you. It wouldn't be right to describe it to you what was wrong with it. It wasn't just dirty. It was disgusting, absolutely disgusting. And it would have been a very sad situation of the previous owner um, it had been really, really bad and really sad. And this family moved in, cleaned it all up, redecorated to the absolute amazement of their neighbours. Um, and, um, uh, and, but still, they'd been in it a few months, but still things didn't seem to be right. The children weren't sleeping. Um, uh, they, they weren't happy as a, ha as a family. Things were happening around the house. They didn't feel safe in it. And not surprisingly, the issue was dominating their lives. It was a stronghold in their lives. So what they decided to do was to ask Jesus to bring his presence into, uh, into their, their, their house. And they went round the whole house and garden. Now, what I was so impressed with was that it was the man of the house who took the authority that Jesus had given him 
who went round every single space in that house and every single space in that garden and told the enemy to leave and asked Jesus to come and asked him to come with all the positive things that happen in all sorts of different places uh, in, in a house. And you know, they said to me afterwards, the place has completely changed. In fact, uh, the lady of the house just uh, wrote me an email last week and she said this. She said, the house is such a lovely feel now. Now that shows God's kingdom taking back territory that the enemy had taken for himself and had stolen. So if we're to live fulfilling and effective Christian lives in the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to recognize these dangers and get free of them and stay free. Because if we don't, we'll always wonder why the Lord isn't coming through for us and why we don't see more of his love and power in and through our lives. So my message to you, brothers and sisters, this morning is God has given you everything you need to get free and stay free. And if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Uh, I think what I'll do is I'll just pray and then I'll hand over to Nigel. Um, and yeah, shall we stand? And I'm just going to rejoice in the Lord and um, thank him for everything he's done. <clears throat> Father, I want to thank you for everything that lies behind what I've been saying this morning. I thank you for, for loving us as your people. I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross. I thank you that for everything that is flowing down from the cross, the, the love, the forgiveness, the power over the enemy, the healing, the blessing, Lord, we thank you for these things. And Lord, I pray that you would teach us as individuals, every single person here, to live and move in the power that, of everything that you've done for us so that we may see your kingdom coming around us, everywhere we go and everywhere we are, and through us, Lord, for your glory. Thank you, Father. Amen. Let's just stay in the Lord's presence. Um, Paul's just got a couple of things that he felt the Lord was saying to share. I think it would be important just to take them on board. I was praying about this meeting um, um, last night, and um, I had a really vivid kind of picture and I just shared it briefly earlier about and just independence I kind of had a picture of flags and just different dates and I realized they ought to do when countries were became independent and a real sense that today is a day for kind of independence if you know anything about independence before that they were occupied and then they gained their independence and moved into a new realm and new authority and just to really encourage you whatever some of the things that Brian's been sharing and God would have been bringing up other things that today is a day of independence. And it involves an action, because one of the words that really spoke to me was that with all these kind of historic dates, there was a declaration of independence. And I'm not sure what that means. Um, it sometimes even had to write it down. I know for the States, they have that special document, Declaration of Independence. But it involves an action. It involves a, a response. And I'd really encourage you to do that. And as I was praying about it again into this last night, I was just reminded of the hymn, Amazing Grace. I know a number of things that Brian has shared are heavy and they are challenging. 
They challenged me, and I suspect they challenged a lot of us. And uh, I was just reminded of the hymn, and it's like, it doesn't just to do with when you start following Jesus. It's a lifestyle. And it talks about amazing grace, and it talks about, I won't sing it, but um, just um, my eyes were open, and the light shone, shone forth. My chains fell off, and I kind of walked free. And I really believe that in this heavy message that God just wants to release his grace today and to break chains that maybe have held us for years, that we can walk out of those prisons into the freedom that Christ brought for us. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give us an opportunity just to respond. Now, Brian's already said that basically you, we've already kind of flagged up the tools that we need to respond. And it may be that you want to do that in your own time and in your own space. And that's absolutely fine. Just don't forget. <laughs> don't ignore it. But it may be that you have a sense of just feeling a bit stuck or needing some help. And so I just want to offer you an opportunity. If you'd like to come and have someone just pray through these with you, they're not going to pray for you, but they will, well, they will at the end of it, but just to help you to process and pray through this stuff. If there's something that you're aware of that's come apparent to you this morning that you need to get free of if it's an area that could be a stronghold and you want to just come confess that and confess it to God and have somebody just help you work through that then I just want to offer you the opportunity to do that here this morning here and now there are plenty of people here who would just love to come and pray through those those steps with you okay um, so that's what I want to I want to offer you to do so if that's something that you'd like to take uh, to do this morning um, please feel free just to come and there's plenty of space here. Bring your leaflet with you and just come and stand and somebody will come and stand with you and we'll just do that. Okay, so let's just, um, Father God, your spirit is here and as Paul said, you declare that today is a day of freedom and today is a day of independence. And for those of us who are struggling and who need a bit of help, Lord, we, we, we just invite you to come and I invite you to come. And if that's where you're at, We'd love to pray with you. And if you don't want to do that, maybe just sit and take five minutes now where you are just to pray. But Holy Spirit, we thank you for your work among us. We thank you for your presence with us and we thank you for your healing and transforming power. Amen. And guys, I just want to say, don't go away feeling depressed. Don't go away feeling down or heavy. If you have that sense, then take some time to pray and if you'd love someone to pray with you we are here okay uh, do take the tools away with you do take the uh, talks there are there are notes from the talks in the last couple of weeks if you've missed them and don't forget that there is a shared lunch so i guess in about 15 or 20 minutes once things are started to clear uh, we'll set that up and the shared lunch will will happen over there and somebody will give us some instructions um, and if you need to get your kids do go and get your kids and as i said if you want someone to come pray with you well, just come down the front, make yourself known, and we'll make sure that we do that. Bless you guys. Have a great day.